We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. J.P. Finley will be on the show briefly because he's headed to the golf course. So we're going to get about five to seven minutes with J.P. on the quarterback situation. And then Hayden in Virginia will be on the show. Who's Hayden in Virginia? Hayden's been a caller to the radio show many times over the years. If you're a Mad Dog uh, listener, Chris Mad Dog Russo listener on XM Sirius, Hayden is a regular caller and a favorite caller of Mad Dogs. Uh, Hayden loves uh, our show, um, listens to it all the time, calls into the radio show. He's a big Terp alum, Terp fan, uh, and I thought of him for today because I know that he probably... Um, felt the same way I did about Coach K losing his final game Saturday night at home against Carolina. It was delicious. Uh, so Hayden in Virginia, uh, a caller, um, a longtime caller, will be a guest on the show. J.P. Finley coming up here uh, momentarily. So since the Saturday podcast, which I put out um, after the Ian Rappaport discussion of the multiple picks that were offered uh, for Russell Wilson. Um, there's been more. You know, there was a report from a Raiders insider that the Commanders, uh, that's the team that plays in Washington, uh, that there's some interest in Derek Carr from them. And then, really, the Aaron Wilson report. Um, Aaron Wilson, uh, a longtime uh, writer uh, for various publications. Uh, now he's with Pro Football Network, suggesting that the Commanders and Panthers are interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. So you've got Watson stuff, by the way, Jeremy Fowler and uh, Dan Graziano um, from uh, from ESPN also had some of that as well in their story uh, from over the weekend about Washington's potential interest in Deshaun Watson. Let me just say this about Deshaun Watson. Number one, you can't trade for him unless you know that he's been criminally cleared. That's number one. Number two, I would not worry for one second about the PR ramifications if I were Washington on trading for Deshaun Watson. They wake up to bad PR every morning. It can't get any worse. Their only goal as an overall business should be to win games and become a winning organization on the field. Because without that, 
They've got nothing, okay? And they are hurting right now as a business. Now, all things relative, you know, getting one thirty-second of the television money means they are just fine. But in all of the other revenue streams that NFL fan, uh, NFL teams generate, they are not doing well, all right? There are not a lot of season ticket packages being sold for next year right now. There's not a whole hell of a lot of excitement around the team. I think it's one of the reasons they're trying so hard to let everybody know how hard they're trying to acquire a franchise quarterback. Third thing on Deshaun Watson. Of the three, Watson, Wilson, and Rodgers. I don't think Rodgers is a possibility, so let's clear him from the conversation. Watson, Wilson, anybody else you want to throw in there. Watson's the one. He's the best one. He's the one that's 26 years old, is under contract for several years, is already a very, very, very good quarterback, borderline elite quarterback, top five to top eight in the league, and he hasn't even entered his prime yet. That's the player you would want. Even if Rodgers were in the conversation, Watson would be the one. Now, obviously, that you know is taking all the other stuff and pushing it to the side for a moment and expecting it to be resolved or prefacing the conversation with if all of that stuff gets resolved. He's the one. I think plan A is Russell Wilson, plan B is Deshaun Watson, and plan C is the Mitch Trubisky, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, and a draft pick situation. That's what I think. But Deshaun Watson... The problem will be is you got to wait. You got to wait for the criminal charges to be cleared. You cannot trade for him when there's even a long shot possibility that he could be criminally charged. You can't do it. I think that's the problem a lot of teams have. Also, I do think it's interesting that Miami, the team that had been most engaged with Houston over the last year, going back to this time last year, completely pulled out. Chris Greer, the GM, saying we are no longer interested in Deshaun Watson. I wonder if they know something. Who knows? But really, of all of the quarterbacks, Watson's the home run if everything is cleared and he's ready to roll and play football. He's the one. He's 26. You're getting him entering his prime. He's already really, really good. Already easily a top 10 quarterback in this league. So, uh, you know, if you're really thinking about how does Washington get to the point where they have a decade, a decade of being a contender, Watson is the answer. Not Rodgers, not Wilson. Rodgers gives you a three-year window. Wilson gives you a five-year window. Watson gives you the 10-year window. And by the way, Watson's better than Wilson right now. I believe that. I think Watson's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. And I love Russell Wilson, but Watson's a better overall player right now than Russell Wilson is. Getting Deshaun Watson ready to play football, cleared of all the other stuff, he's better than Russell Wilson is right now. All right, let's bring in J.P. Finley uh, to talk about this. J.P.'s getting ready to play some golf uh, at a very fine golf course uh, in the area. Uh, And he's got a tee time here in minutes on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Uh, Before you head 
to the first tee box without any practice swings. Do you believe all of the reporting of the last couple of days, the Russell Wilson multiple picks, uh, the discussion that Washington's interested in Deshaun Watson, are you buying all of it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that it completely um, checks out with everything I've heard and been told and have said that they're, gonna, they're really going to knock on every door, so to speak. Um, all that said, that doesn't mean they're going to get anybody. And, and I think part of kind of the – Ron Rivera is telling everybody that will listen on the record. With I mean, go, look at everything he said in Indy. Martin Mayhew, that, that we're looking everywhere we can to, to upgrade at the position. So, certainly, I, I think it, it all rings true. But I, I think some of it is trying to manage expectations if they don't land any of these guys. I, I mean, how many times in the past couple months have we heard, yeah, we tried for Stafford, but we couldn't get him? Like, I, I think there's an element of that coming as well if they end up with just, a rookie, and a mid-tier free agent. Before we get to Wilson and Watson in more detail, I've ruled out Rodgers. Have you? Rodgers, yeah. I mean, I don't think he would ever come here. Right. I don't think they're shit for keeping him in the NFC. I, I, I never thought Rodgers was a real possibility in, in the whole time. So of the two, I, I Wilson think... and Watson, which is more po- – forget about the realistic possibilities of either one of them landing in Washington – if we did one of our you know, sports talk hypotheticals, and I told you um, after you woke up from a long nap that Washington had just traded for either Wilson or Watson, which one would you guess it was? If I had to, it would be Watson because he, they have to trade him. They're not going to pay him $39 million and they, they're going to go with Davis Mills or whatever it is they're going to do. Well, Watson's going to be on the move. There's there's no clarity that Wilson will be. And, and perhaps I'm being naive because of the pending legal situation and all of that, but I think when Pete Carroll said we don't have any intention of moving Russ Wilson last week at the Combine, like I don't think he's lying. Now, maybe they'll get some godfather offer they have to consider, but if I had to guess which one of these guys, forget Washington, just which guy is more of a, a credible trade target for any team, it's got to be Watson because they got to move him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Like, if, if somebody said only one of the two got traded, it would be Watson. But I asked you if one of the two got tra- – if, if I told you one of the two got traded to Washington, you think it would be Watson. I, I think that those are the odds. Yeah, I do. Um, but Watson's I, got – I know this, Kev. I know that from a football perspective, they don't think his allegations and – the incredibly toxic history of the Washington organization that, that one has to do with the other. A lot of people are like, they couldn't trade for Watson because of what he's alleged to have done, considering everything the organization is alleged to have done. And I don't think the football organization views it that way. Yeah, I, I don't think they should. I, don't, I think they, they should be – I think they're desperate for a quarterback. They have to win, J.P., they right. wake they wake up to negative PR every day. It can't get any worse. Right. Now, um, could that change when he gets deposed and has to plead the fifth, or if he pleads the fifth, or if some of this testimony from these women come out? It, it could be a, a moving target here. Well, of course, and in fact, you can't trade for him until you know he's going to be criminally cleared. Because it would be so Washington, right, to trade two ones and Chase Young to Houston for Watson, and then he goes to jail. 
I mean, it's not out of the realm. I don't think, you know, in reading a lot about this situation that it's likely, but he could be criminally charged. And at that point, you know, he's not going to be able to play until those charges are cleared and some sort of resolution happens. So I think that so, – so you get into the, the, the calendar of that because free agency starts in nine days on March 16th. And his – you know, the grand jury's not going to rule on criminal charges on him until April 1st. Uh, will they have to make a move on a Trubisky or a Mariota right away? I mean, it's going to be one of the trickiest parts of all this because I, I don't have that answer. It, it <laughs> You wonder if some of these veteran QBs might not last a little longer. Um, like, if you think about, like, the I, I think their quarterback situation will run all the way up until the draft because even if they sign Trubisky, if something emerges draft week, which is frankly the next real deadline, I think, because I don't think you're going to get any sort of indication on Watson before then, I, they've got to be flexible enough that, listen, we like the idea of trying to this reclamation project with Mitch, but now all of a sudden we have a sure thing here. And I think if you, whatever free agent quarterback you sign could become part of a trade package, and it's later, because – Sure, they got Davis Mills, but we'll also give you Mitch Trubisky in in addition to the two ones and maybe it's three ones or two ones in pain, whatever the offer looks like. I, I think it's not sexy, but at least it's a real a veteran backup or whatever it is. But I, whatever move they make in free agency, they can't let that impact if there's a big swing to be made on Watson or Wilson later in leading up to the draft. Actually, it's a very tricky spot here because if it's Trubisky that they want, um, if they can't land Wilson or Watson, and let's assume that they can't really find out about Watson until after free agency starts and there's competition for Trubisky, you know, you're talking about perhaps having to commit more than a year and perhaps eight figures plus a year to Trubisky if that's the guy they want. And that becomes a little bit problematic because your your idea of then turning around and using him in a trade to, to get Watson once Watson's cleared, well, then you're talking about dead money and a lot of it. So it's it, – it, It's it, super problematic. Yeah. The timing sucks. Like, there's no way around it. My point would just be you can't let the timing hold you back if there's a real big swing to be made. So um, – What's your guess? Like, let's just fast forward uh, two months, May 7th. We are clear of the draft. Who are the quarterbacks that they have on their roster? Trubisky and Willis, my guess right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's been my guess for about four weeks running. Um, What do you think? What do you think the reaction? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The reaction. I think there's I think there's legit excitement for Willis. Um, I think I think the Trubisky Heineke stuff is going to be way more real than the brass is probably expecting from the fan base. There's a lot of Heineke fans out there, and if Mitch struggles a lot, I, I mean, listen, Mitch ain't signing here unless he's given some indication he's the starter. Because he's going to have a market too. That, that's the thing that gets forgotten in this is. 
like you, you mentioned eight figures. I think he gets there because I think he has a good market because there's no available quarterbacks. I, I wouldn't be stunned if it's Bridgewater, maybe at a lesser number, and he's a little more. I mean, Teddy B and Scott Turner go all the way back to Minnesota. Um, Herney was on the staff in Carolina when they acquired Bridgewater. Um, I think they're telling everybody how hard they're trying because they know their options kind of stay. Yeah, they're trying. They're doing a, a damn good job of letting everybody know how hard they're trying. I don't know if that's a good strategy or a bad strategy. I'm kind of mixed on it. I think you know if I'm sitting in that room out there with them, they're they're desperate from a you know a new um, you know season ticket. You know uh, from th- their sales department are telling them we need something to sell season tickets, even if it's you know we're nearing a deal with uh, Wilson or we're, we're swinging big and we're going to land one of them potentially. We need something. I, I think it's a tough position they're in. I don't really have a, that much of an issue with them you know, going out of their way to tell us how hard they're trying. I really don't. I just think it's interesting how much they care about it. Um, it I, I, I agree and I've heard the same about season tickets and season ticket renewals. and Terrible. They're in a weird spot, man. A bad spot, frankly. It, it's not a good spot. Um, go hit them straight. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks, Kevin. Always good to talk, man. My thoughts on Duke's loss in Coach K's final home game next. And then Hayden in Virginia will be our guest. I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Your ratings and reviews on Apple in particular over the last several weeks have been spectacular and so much appreciated. Uh, I got a note this morning that said we were 15th uh, this morning on the Apple um, charts for for podcasts, sports podcasts, um, and the ratings and reviews, they they sent me several of them that have come in recently. I wanted to read um, a couple of them uh, in particular. Uh, This one actually is from a Cowboys fan who loves the show. I lived in Northern Virginia for a few years after college, listened to Kevin in various time slots. I'm a Cowboys fan, but love Kevin's honesty about all the teams, despite any emotional connection. I love when Tom is on, as well as Cooley. Highly recommend uh, that from Spec NE um, on Apple. Uh, this from UCCVGDHFDH, I don't know, the Apple podcast. I've been listening to Kevin for years, both on radio and on the podcast. Fun and informative. Great guests like Lavero and Cooley and Zabe and others. Thanks for the cereal tips. Yeah, Magic Spoon. And I'm loving my new windows from Harley and Aaron. Keep up. Uh, the good work. Um, thank you. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify, specifically Apple. Um, it's really helpful. So uh, I wanted to do just a quick segment here before I bring on Hayden in Virginia, which I'm looking forward to because Hayden's a little bit nuts. I love him, though. Love him dearly. Um, he's a great caller. Uh, and we've developed this relationship over the years where we text each other during games and 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 we talk every once in a while. And um, he's smart and he's you know in the area, but he's a New Jersey guy that went to Maryland. And hell, when I went to Maryland, basically everybody was from Jersey or Philly or New York. Um, but anyway, um, Saturday night's Duke loss in Coach K's final game was scrumptious for any longtime ACC fan that isn't a Duke fan. I can only tell you that if you think people like me on Saturday night and Twitter lit up with ACC fans and people who just don't like Duke um, with like this feeling of joy that Coach K lost in his final game at Cameron Endure, if you really think that it's petty and small, I understand that, but you don't get it. You don't understand because there's a compliment in all of this. The compliment is that we feel this way because Duke's been so great. I know that seems backhanded a little bit, but it really isn't. It's Duke has become the Yankees, the Cowboys, you know, Notre Dame football, the Patriots, I guess. They have become a pop culture phenomenon over the last 30 years. He's been there for 42. It really started in the 90s, you know, when they started to win titles and they were going to Final Fours and Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill, like all the perfect, you know, characters. And it became very cultish from afar, you know, all about family and the Cameron Crazies and Cameron Indoor and Duke and 
pounding the floor, you know, when you were back on defense. And and if you were an ACC foe, you know, a traditional year in and year out, twice a year, sometimes three times a year, sometimes four times a year, see 2001 Maryland and Duke. Foe, if you were one of those teams that were in the shadow of Duke for so long, you just had this built up over a long period of time, respect, yes, but also this incredible hunger to see them fail and for your team to produce that failure. It's really hard to explain it unless you've lived it from the you know the chair of a Carolina fan or a Maryland fan or a Virginia fan or an NC State fan or a Georgia Tech fan or a Wake Forest fan. I'm not talking about the Johnny come latelys to the ACC. I'm talking about the longtime ACC teams that were a part of the ACC in its heyday, in its greatest years. Because the ACC is not in its best, you know, days right now. Duke's success, his success, everything that came with being the number one program for for three decades, they were the number one of the Blue Bloods. Kansas wasn't better than Duke. Kentucky wasn't. Carolina wasn't. Duke was Duke. They were different. They were totally different. They were um, so great, and yet at the same time, they were accompanied by this feeling that almost... All of those people in the program were part of this exclusive high-end club that you northern, you know, necks from College Park, (laughs) and they basically thumb their nose at you. You know, they thumb their nose at Carolina fans, basically. I mean, Carolina fans and Maryland fans were actually together in their hatred of Duke during all those years in the 90s and the 2000s. So many conversations. I got a note from a friend of mine, a Carolina, a longtime Carolina friend from uh, uh, who texted me. I hadn't heard from him in a while. He said Saturday night was a top five win all time for him as a Tar Heel fan. It was incredible to sit there. And I sat there and my wife looked at me like I was nuts. And then I had some of my boys who were on spring break, my youngest, and some of his friends walked in and they had watched the first half somewhere else. And they walked in and they're like, what? They're losing, and then my wife had this look like, God, you guys are just so, you know, it's awful. Don't you want to root for No, we're not rooting for him. You don't get it. You don't understand. And at the end of that game with the Carolina, you could see it. You could see the celebration. You could see how, I mean, Carolina fans, I, I, I could feel it for them. What a win. And it was shocking, too. There was an element of surprise to the win because they were 11.5-point underdogs. And they were down in the first half. And then all of a sudden, they didn't just win. They scored 55 in the second half. And they blew the doors off Duke. And by the way, Duke couldn't stop them defensively. And then they were running basically nothing offensively. It was beautiful. And Kay walked off that floor devastated. And then they had the whole post-game thing. He didn't want to be there. He's a competitor. He was pissed that they lost that game. 
And there was also something so apropos about the beginning of the game where ESPN had Kansas and Texas going to overtime. Whoever planned the start of the Carolina Duke game for 6 o'clock when you had Kansas and Texas, I know it was 620, uh, 6.20 tip, but we missed, or most people missed, all of the pregame with the former players and all the pomp and circumstance around Kay's final game. What a terrible job by ESPN. Terrible job. To have that game, you know, not go at 7 o'clock with plenty of time for Kansas and Texas to end, even if it had gone to double overtime. Now, they were they had a, an alternate broadcast on the ACC network. But the post-game, oh, everything about it, the whole night, I don't know, man, I wasn't expecting it, so I wasn't really, there was, I was going to sit there and watch it on Saturday night. There was no doubt that was the plan. And I was looking forward to it. And to be honest with you, I was interested to see how Duke was going to handle it and to see all those former players. And it, it's, you know, it, it, by the way, the tickets were the big story about how, you know, some tickets were going for like 50, 60, 70, 80, $90,000. It may have been, this may not be an exaggeration to say that the ticket on Saturday night to Duke Carolina may have been the most difficult ticket to access of any sporting event in recent memory. Uh, our good friend Scott Van Pelt was there. Scott was there. Um, he was texting me throughout, said it was incredible, said the atmosphere was unbelievable. He said the Duke fans were great to him. They, they started chanting SVP when he walked in, and they were chanting, Go Terps. That was nice. But for anybody, anybody that's really got rooting for any of those long time ACC programs in their sports rooting blood. You were not rooting for Duke. And to watch Carolina come back and blow the doors off them and to see the reactions, it was delicious. And on some level, I'd love to see an ACC tournament rematch between Duke and Carolina. Um, or a tournament, you know, match. And, you know, it's funny, over the years, as much as, you know, the, these, these schools and these fan bases have been arch rivals, it's also been very family-esque. I talked about that as it related to the ACC documentary, the tournament documentary on the ACC Network when we had the guest last week on. Um, you know, and one of the lines from the director, I think, is he couldn't believe how close-knit it felt very family. Everybody was intimately familiar with one another in the stories, and that's true. You know, I could sit there with a Duke fan or a State fan or a Carolina fan, and we could talk for hours about the games and the players and the coaches and the moments. There was a real shared experience, and it was a, a they were they were intense games and rivalries. But when you got to the tournament, some of you never understood this because you weren't a part of it with any of the schools, and and I understand that everybody would root for each other. You'd root for the other ACC teams to do well in the tournament. Hell, I find myself doing that in the Big Ten. I don't even feel you know totally indoctrinated yet in the Big Ten. It was uh, shocking. And I can only imagine how uh, the Carolina fans felt uh, at the end of that thing. Uh, you could see it on Twitter. I mean, it Carolina players, former players, former coaches, I mean, people weighing in. This was, for that program, one of the all-time great programs in the history of the sport. And I think in the moment, if you asked any one of them, that was as sweet a victory as they have ever had. 
I think the rest of the league felt it in some way as well. All right, Hayden in Virginia will be my guest next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Predict winners in each round of the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance to win a Bitcoin, a Doodle NFT, currently valued at over $50,000, and over 100000 more in cash prizes. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today with MyBookie. Use my promo code Kevin DC to make your first deposit, earning a free entry into the My Bracket contest. Selections for the bracket will officially begin on March 13th and close March 17th at 12 noon. So make sure you get your deposit in now. Kevin DC is the promo code. You'll secure a free entry. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Um, so my guest now on the show is Hayden in Virginia. Hayden has called the radio show many times over the years. Hayden is a regular caller into Chris Mad Dog Russo's show on XM Sirius Radio. He's one of Mad Dog's favorite callers. Uh, Hayden is a huge Terp fan, huge sports fan uh, in general. Um, Hayden's from Jersey, I'm pretty sure. Um, And I just was thinking about you. You and I text back and forth a lot, but I don't think we've text, uh, texted since Saturday night. And then you texted me about something earlier today. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you come on the show today? Um, and I wanted to start off by just asking you if on Saturday night you were as pumped up to watch Kay lose, lose his final game at Cameron Indoor as I and many others were. Well, as any diehard Terp fan, Kevin, and I've suffered as a season ticket holder, I've been on that wall in my seat on Section 118 all season long. Saturday night was the uh, nice opportunity to finally get a smile on our face this year. It was the perfect evening for Terp fans, Kevin, especially when you throw in the Indiana loss earlier in the day as a cherry on top. Uh, Just a perfect day. Absolutely perfect day. Do you really care about Indiana losing? I do. I just do, yeah. It's a rivalry in the inside that Big Ten, Kevin. Yeah, every, it's, you it's think, a rivalry. You th- hold on, this is interesting. We've never talked about this. You consider our rival in the Big Ten to be Indiana? No. Um, the funny thing you ask about that is, I've learned this a few weeks ago. The rival in College Park right now in the Big Ten is Penn State. I know the it others, is. And the other funny thing about that is, it's kind of a weird devil's triangle between. The folks in College Park, the folks in Happy Valley, and the folks in New Brunswick, New Jersey, because the folks in New Brunswick, New Jersey, hate the folks at Penn State just as much as we do. So there's this weird, and I don't think the folks at Penn State really give a rat, you know what, about us or them. So it's a very strange dynamic. But when I was at that Terps basketball game a few weeks ago, the students made it loud and clear who their rival is, no doubt. 
when you say New Brunswick, New Jersey, you're referring to Rutgers University, of course. Um, and I, I just, I, I think you are right when it comes to football, for sure. And I did not go to the Penn State game a couple of weeks ago, but you texted me and you said the fans are really into this game right now. I don't really feel anything towards anybody in the Big Ten yet. I mean, I think that we've had some really good games with Michigan State since we've entered the league, some important games against Michigan State. We obviously had the dust-up with Michigan last year, um, but, you know, uh, you didn't get a rematch. That would have been the biggest home game of the year had Michigan been on the schedule at Xfinity. I don't feel anything for anybody yet basketball-wise. Maybe Michigan State a little bit. But it's only because they're kind of the program in the league and have been since we've been in it. But I'm surprised that you feel anything towards anybody because you miss being in the ACC like I do. Absolutely. Well, well, first off, Michigan State and Izzo has always been the measuring stick for every every college hoops fan. Every Terp fan, uh, since we've entered – They've been the measuring stick. But our only national title went through Indiana, Kevin. Um, and every time that highlight gets played, it brings goosebumps to me. And holding that over that program, which is a five-time NCAA champion, means something to me. Every time we go to Assembly Hall and win a game, it means something. That's a special place in college basketball world. And the thing that I've learned um, is – the switch from the ACC, it's generational, first off. Um, and it depends on where you are in your Terp fandom as far as age goes, where, where you feel about it. it. It's just totally different. When I talk to the current students, for example, they don't even think about the ACC. They don't even, it's not even a, a blip. They don't even know who the 2001 national champion team is, to be quite honestly. Um, and going back to that Penn State game, uh, that was the best crowd of the season other than the Virginia Tech game when they handed out the bias jerseys. And the only reason those students showed up, and I asked them, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, walking out, they all told me they hate Penn State. And I'll take, it, I'll take those students for their work. Well, you weren't, you weren't at the Ohio State game, were you? Of course I was. Oh, okay. I was at every home game this year. The only home game I missed was the Northwestern disaster. Because of the Jets? Sunday, I had to be at a Jets home game. I had to be at a Jets-Eagles home game. Uh, yeah. Another disaster. <clears throat> rough Sunday. Yeah, that was a rough Sunday for you. Um, yeah, because I, I think the Ohio State, I was not, I, I, you know, this probably, well, it is. This will be, well, no, because of the pandemic 2020 season. Um, I think it's the first year I've, I, I have never, I haven't been to a game. I think it's probably the first year in my life that I can remember that I haven't been to at least four home games. I didn't go to Kevin, one. I, I didn't go to one home game this year. Now I was going to go to the Ohio State game. I was going to go for the twenty-year thing, and something came up, and I had to. Um, I had to go out of town for that particular day. I ended up recording the game and watching it late that night when I got home, which was a week ago Sunday. Um, but yeah, I, I have felt very much kind of detached, even though I've enjoyed watching this team. By the way, this isn't why I called you. Okay, I, I called you because. Hayden is is a longtime Terp fan, um, went to Maryland, um, is a big part of the fan base. He is a recognized voice in the crowd. We'll just leave it at that. And I just want to know what your reaction was Saturday night when Carolina beat Duke in Kay's final game. Like I, like, like I said, it, let, let's start with the 30-minute 
buffer that ESPN forgot to get. It was the perfect evening because if you're if you're been watching this whole generation of hoops, everybody complains about ESPN over scheduling these games every two hours. And the fact that they had to commit an extra hour to his post-game ceremony and miss the first 30 minutes was just the appetizer, Kevin. That was just the appetizer of what was yet to become. They blew a eight, ten-point lead, whatever it was. They choked from the bench. So when you're watching that second half unfold, you're almost in disbelief. They, they had an eight-point lead. They were almost in control. It's going to go the storybook ending that we all were rooting against. And then it turned. And then those last five minutes, you're just waiting for Carolina to choke, which we've all seen many a time before throughout this rivalry, Warren College Park. And when they held on, it was the, probably the most satisfying senior loss I've seen them ha- suffer there since 2001 and Shane Battier on his senior night. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know where you rank it, but that, that, that's where I, I, that was the first thought that went through my mind. And that was when the party was just getting started, Kevin. But where, was, where did it rank for you? Uh, I so first of all, it was shocking. Let's let's put that on the table because it was unexpected. You know, Carolina, uh, Duke was an eleven and a half point favorite. This seemed like you know it was going to be just. It, it seemed like a given that you know they brought all these players in. This was Kay's final game at Cameron Indoor. You know, people have been making a big deal out of it all week. The ticket prices were probably higher on the aftermarket than any Super Bowl in recent memory. It may have been the hardest ticket in recent memory in sports to actually get a hold of. Um, and so the expectation was that Duke was going to roll. And I've watched Carolina enough this year. They're not very good. You know, they're just not that very good. I'm not sure how good Duke is either, but that's beside the point. But when Carolina took the lead in the second half, and then they started to extend it a little bit, then Duke came back. Then I was completely engaged. I was like, oh my God, this would be incredible. Can you imagine if Carolina goes in and wins tonight? And my wife was there and she's like, are you rooting for North Carolina? And I said, of course I am. And she said, well, that's rude. It's, it's Shushevsky's last game. I mean, don't you want him to win? No, I don't want him to win. And she, she looked at me and she said, you know, that's the problem with you and all your Maryland friends. You guys take it to an extreme. And I said, nope, you just don't understand. And unless you've been in our shoes, or by the way, I would put, I put, I think the entire conference was rooting for Carolina on Saturday night. Anybody that's been affiliated with any longtime ACC school, I'm not talking about Syracuse or Louisville, all right, or Virginia Tech. I'm talking about longtime real ACC uh, fan bases. All of those people were sitting there just on the edge of their seat, hoping that Carolina would pull it off. And I said this in the open to the show, um, Hayden. It's because they're, they're, part of this is complementary to them. He's built something, he built something, and they become, became something that everybody wanted to become, but we never got close. No one did. They've been the number one blue blood of all of the blue bloods for 30-plus years now. Not in the 80s, okay, not for all 42 of his years, but, you know, since the 90s, Duke has been the Yankees, they've been, you know, they've been the, the Cowboys, they've been no Notre Dame football, and it's Duke. And this unbelievable run of success 
has made them incredibly polarizing. But if you've had a, a, a team that you root for that's had to compete with this, and you've had the painful losses, and then the condescending press conferences from him after a loss, and you know, you know, and you've known that he's not been, not been. You know, the classiest of losers when he's lost. And, you know, we, we, there are plenty of examples. But, again, it's, it's because they're so great that they've put themselves into this position. And it's become almost cultish, this Duke thing, over the years. And I, I talked to one of my friends who's a Carolina fan. He texted me after the game. He said, this is a top five win all time for me. All time. I mean, they've got national championships and, and massive wins. I mean, you're talking about a blue blood. Top five win all time. And I, you know what? I totally felt it for them. Because I felt it for everybody that had, had, to gone head, had gone head-to-head with Duke over the years. And again, I, I want to be clear on this. It's not because I don't think Shashevsky's a great coach or Duke's a great program or that I hate Shashevsky. It's the competitive bloodlust that teams that have had to go up and bang their head against Duke and the cult of Duke over so long, it was joyous on Saturday night. Uh, Kevin, you, you hit it on the head. It, it, it's the ultimate sign of respect of how much we're into this and how we're so heavily invested. And here's a little nugget. Duke was ranked every time they played Carolina from January 29, 1997, all the way through the 2020 COVID season. Last year was the first time. Think about that, Kevin. Incredible. Think, think for most, most, kids, you know, most kids in college can't re- weren't alive at a time before they weren't ranked playing in one of those games. It's, 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 it's the ultimate sign of respect for that program. But like you said, I think there is, um, th- there is a total, how do I say this, a chasm between the perception of the Duke, size of the Duke fan base and the reality of the Duke fan base. And, and, and the only way to really understand it is when you show up to an ACC tournament. Right. And when you, go to a tor- when you went to one, like you said, 80% of the building was rooting against them. And it's not just because of their success. They're a small private school. They are a blip on the collegiate radar compared to a large state university. And their fan base, they don't have real fans, Kevin. And yet over the years, it's grown and morphed into this monster. And that's why... I, I, it's funny, I, you know, uh, you try to keep politics out of sports, but I really do believe in the last few years it, it, it's just kind of bled through it. And in my opinion, I, I said this to Dog before the game on Saturday night, Krzyzewski represents half the country that just believes getting the means, whatever the result is, justify the means. By any result, any way when necessary, whether it be cheating whether it be condescending, you know, it uh, he, make he, a I don't, as long I, as I don't think Shashevsky's a cheater. Well, let me ask you a broader issue about the sport. Do you think that you don't think any of the, you, how many of those one and dones do you think were clean? I think I think he was. I think he's been in a position for a long, long period of time where he picked and choosed. 
pick, picked and chose. I, I, I think well, they were all dirty, Kevin. There, there's, there's money trails for all these kids. Let me ask you a different question. Yeah. Go into a different sport. The Zion thing is a little bit shady in some areas. Give me other examples. Well, all those, all those one and done. There's a money trail for for at least twelve. I want to say eight to nine of them out of the fifteen to twenty. <laughs> at least there's money trails. So I mean, you, you. But all I'm saying is this: he was trying to compete with Calipari, right? I look at him very similar to Bonds and McGuire, right? McGuire was cheating. McGuire was taking the steroids. He was hitting all the home runs. So was Sosa, and Bonds wasn't at that time. And Bonds was furious because Bonds was better than them, right? He knew he was better than them. And so eventually, he saw all these guys getting all the accolades, saw it, and he would get jealous. So eventually, what did he do? He did the same bleeping thing. And that's what Krzyzewski did. He saw Calipari going down this path. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't compete. There was no way he was going to compete. So what did he do? He said to his friends at Nike, I'm going to turn my back. You do what you do. And that was the result. And for, it is what it is. And it, the sport is, it's a bigger issue in the, in the picture of the sport. And you're right. Is he... John Wooden's a cheater too, though. Of course, and that's why Kevin. But that's why Knight doesn't get the right now at this moment. Bobby Knight deserves so much more respect because he did it cleanly. Kevin, he might be crazy, he might be a nut job, but the one thing he wouldn't do, he wouldn't cheat on his principles. And that's the thing I think that really bothered him about Shevsky getting back to K. By the way, I think it bothered him the way. Um, K kind of distanced himself, you know, and we, we read all the Eno Connor book and all these things. Uh, I, I think that was part of the strain in that relationship. That Krzyzewski was just too arrogant, you know, to, you know, admit who he is, who he is, so to speak. Yeah, I don't. Look, Hayden follows this stuff is closer than than almost anybody out there. Your 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 knowledge of of, col- of college hoops, yeah, is deep. I mean, you you go deep. I I don't want to get into um, a smearing of Shashevsky because I don't know, and I I've heard obviously things over the years, but I think relative to most of the top programs, I think there are others that have been a hell of a lot worse. And if the trail really is a Nike trail, um, and not you know a Will Wade kind of a situation or a Sean Miller kind, I, that's not what Shashevsky's been doing. Okay, he has it. I have the ultimate respect for Shaq. I, I, I don't want to paint him as the, the, you know, the sport had other issues. I just, it's, it's a topic that needs to be discussed at some point. When you're discussing his overall career, it, you, you, you can't leave it. But how did you feel, Kevin, the way he treated Maryland on the way out? When we left for the Big Ten, and he was actively recruiting his other schools, including Louisville to replace us, and screwing us with Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Boston colleges and telling us he, that he, Pittsburgh he, was going to be our he rival. Was pissed. How did you feel? He was pissed, but let me tell you, because it was on the show that Tommy and I did on Middays on 980, where he came on that show in 2013, whatever year it was, he was pushing a book. And, you know, I'm, I've told this story many times. PR guy says, you got four minutes with him. And I'm like, okay. Um, 30 minutes later, we were still talking, um, 17 of it ended up on the air. And then afterwards, as I was getting ready to hang up with him, he said, Hey, Hey, hold on for a second. And he said, I, 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 I hear the passion in your voice. I know how much you love Maryland. I can tell. He said, we never wanted them to leave the league. 
they were too secretive, if they had come to us, if they had been more transparent, if they had gone to Commissioner Swafford, if they had gone to all of us, we would have bailed them out. We would have helped them. Nobody wanted them to leave. It was the way they left that really angers me because it was on that show that day with Tommy and I that Krzyzewski said, I, and I asked him, I said, will you play Maryland and schedule Maryland if Maryland wants to schedule you as a non-conference game or in a Big Ten ACC? He said, we will never play Maryland. It ended up being on the crawl that night, that afternoon. On, on People talk about that all the time. It came from our show. That's where he said it. He said, we will never play Maryland. And then afterwards, Tommy will test. We talked for another 10 to 15 minutes. And he kept saying over and over again, do you think we wanted Maryland to leave the league? He said, do you know how valuable they've been to the league? Do you know how valuable that market was going to be for the eventual ACC network? He said, there are charter members. He said, do you know how much we enjoyed down here going up to College Park for big games, no matter how rough it was? He said, I, and he kept on you know, over and over about how much he loves Gary. Because he did. He loved Gary and he loved Lefty and the whole thing. But it was the lack of of being open and honest. And and look, maybe there were business reasons that Maryland had to do it the way they did it, but that's what pissed him off to no end, and it pissed the league off. Now, not everybody held it against Maryland because, you know, Roy and Turgeon were, were close friends. So Roy played Maryland in that, one, in that one ACC Big Ten challenge, and then Tony Bennett didn't give a shit, so he played Maryland a couple of times because it was good for, you know, both programs, you know, as, as bordering states and longtime rivals from the league. But, yeah, I part of Saturday night, and I, and I said this to my wife. I said, you know, this makes me – the Carolina joy at the end of that game, and you could feel it. Like Franklin Street was probably going – any Tar Heel fan had – that had to be – I could feel it for them about what that meant for them. And you could see it on social media, their former players and their fans. I mean, this was big. And it was shocking too. That's part of it. But I, I kept saying, God, it would have been great. And by the way, this is, again, a show of respect to Kay and the program. It would have been great for Maryland and Duke to play this year. Somehow, I don't give a shit where the game had been played. Cameron Indoor, Xfinity, would have been better at Xfinity. But um, it would have been great on his farewell tour to have had one last game. But there was no way he would have ever let that happen. Uh, was yeah, I upset? No. Yeah, of course I was upset. But I understood where they were coming from. He, w- they, they blamed. They, they were. They, they think Maryland screwed them. Fair, but Kevin, I, the one game I, I would love to get back from a few years ago was that East, uh, the game against LSU in the second of round course. of the tournament. We yeah. were in. We were in line to play them in, in the Elite Eight. Eight. In the Elite Eight, that yeah. was the year they had Zion. They ended up getting knocked out in the regional final against Michigan State. Um, we we, we would have had to beat out. Michigan State in the Sweet 16. That Correct. would have been the matchup. A team that had, it would have been a very tough matchup. Yeah. You played them twice. Yeah. Um, it would have been a tough matchup, but you're right. Uh, he just acted like a scorn lover. Let's just call it like it is. Uh, and then he went out of his way after we <laughs> left the conference to, you know, kind of treat us, you know, as if we had cheated on him. And I don't know. Um, None of us were privy to the exact conversations going on. He had a, un, a significant influence, is the best term I would describe, uh, on the negotiations, m- much more so than any other basketball coach did at the time, including Gary. Um, 
the two parties went their other ways. Um, but I will say this. I don't think I would change the decision right now if I was Maryland. Do you know how much more money we're going to get in five years? Kevin, do you see the money that's about to come in from the Big Ten contract? They're about to get a billion dollars per year in revenues for TV. In that new contract, they're going to sign pretty much within a few months now. They're going to transform our campus. And I don't think that's something. There is something about the Big Ten. That, we're in a, an elite conference, Kevin. Right. Let, let's go back to that day. It would, at that moment in 2004, wherever it was, there were po- five, maybe six power conferences. The Big East was already dead at that point. There were five power conferences left. The Big Ten was already number one. The SEC was number two. And then there was a chasm. And you can make an argument where we number three was the Pac-12 number three. You're talking, for, you're talking about overall with football included. You're not overall, talking about, yeah, yeah, overall. right. This is revenues. This is the, the, yes. the size of the dog in the fight. Yeah, and the Big 12 was the fifth. There's no doubt about that. And we all kind of, if you go back, Kevin, think about it. The Big Ten and the SEC are just they're, they're, the Big Ten right now. Kevin is is who they're so far ahead. Of where the ACC is going right. in the yeah. future, and by the way, I as know far as the competition goes. It's a t- the basketball competition, Kevin. We all love basketball. Let, let's get to the best. You might be nostalgic about the ACC from the seventies and the eighties, and when I got to College Park in ninety-seven, it was great. There were nine teams. You played everybody twice around Robin. You had a true, cha- true regular season champion, and even though you had to go to Greensboro or Charlotte or somebody else in Carolina for the tournament. Nine schools gathered, and one was crowned a champ. And it was a wonderful thing. But what it was when we left, Kevin, it wasn't the same. And to I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But we had no choice. And to lose seven programs, and the, the, the best thing about it, Kevin, the biggest fear, I think, a lot of Maryland fans, and I speak to a lot of people, I'm at these games, the lacrosse program was a huge fear. Everybody thought by going to the Big Ten, it was going to kill the lacrosse program. How does that? How has that worked out? I think I think John Tillman has done a pretty fine job keeping the the women's lacrosse does fine. It, it's just we're it's it, it, time. No no place does time change but stay the same than a college campus, Kevin. No other. It's the strangest thing. These kids, the, the, the students are always changing. The alumni is always stuck in the past, and it's the strangest thing. But as far as the future, I I think the Big Ten is the place to be. I remember Jay Billis, this is years ago, as all the conference reshuffling was happening. It was before Maryland left the Big Ten and before Syracuse left. No, it was actually, I think it might have been right when Syracuse announced they were coming to the ACC. I forget how, I forget the chronology of it. But Jay Billis was on the show with me and he said, what would have prevented all of this was a football playoff much earlier. If they had gone to an actual four or an eight-team playoff back in you know the mid-90s or the late 90s, none of this conference reshuffling would have ever been necessary. But this is where we are. And to your point, um, the ACC as it is now isn't a league that I necessarily want to be a part of because it's not the league I remember and get nostalgic about. I can't, you know, I, I, the ACC, by the way, is a bad league this year in basketball, but it's not the ACC with Notre Dame and Syracuse and Louisville and Pitt. Okay, and you know now what did we just finish? Our eighth year in the Big Ten. I think it is the eighth year that we just finished. Um, It's really Naki and I have this conversation all the time. The venues in terms of, you know, just night in and night out, and by the way, the coaching, but, you know, that can be cyclical. But the fan bases and the venues in the Big Ten 
are better than in the ACC. The ACC, the old ACC, every venue was great. You know, whether it was Cole or Cameron or Carmichael in the Dean Dome, U-Haul, I mean, Little John, uh, you know, uh, obviously Reynolds was phenomenal. If you go way back, okay, the Big Ten, every single, every, including Rutgers, every single road right. environment is incredible. Oh. Incredible, oh, you, including you, ours, I, you know, mo- in most uh, situations. That's the thing that I think we all underestimated when we made the switch. I agree. We all thought that we were Maryland basketball. We were so successful in the ACC. Moving to the Big Ten, it's a cup of cake, recently a break. And we all took it for the things I've learned. First of all, going to Mackey Arena, I mean, who would have thought when we made that switch how difficult it would be to beat Purdue? Like you know, We didn't even think about schools like Purdue. Iowa, what Fran has built at Iowa. I Wisconsin, for example. I mean, we, we go to the Kohl Center, Kevin. It, 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 I remember Melo Trimble getting a shot from the three-point line yeah. to, to walk out there. You, know, to do, it, these, you go to Michigan State, the Chrysler building in Michigan. These are – I know going to Northwestern isn't a big deal, but, but I just feel – Northwestern and Penn State time, are the we, only two. North, Nebra- Nebraska couldn't give a shit about basketball, and yet that building is packed every single night. I mean, I, I guess, the, you know, what else do you have to do in, in Lincoln? Um, Penn State and Northwestern are the only two places in the league that really aren't into their basketball programs and don't really draw well. Every other venue, and by the way, we haven't done very well at Penn State, um, every other venue in the league is phenomenal. Um, and, it, and it stacks up to every bit of what the ACC was back in the day, if not better. And you mentioned it. Naki says it all the time. Naki goes, look, Cameron Indoor is great. Assembly Hall's right there with Cameron Indoor. You know, um, Mackey's unbelievable. And you know what was, I think, really cool when we got into the Big Ten were those first four or five years, and you still see it, but the first four or five years – Purdue fans, Indiana fans, Wisconsin fans, Iowa fans, Ohio State, Michigan State fans wanting to see what it was like at Xfinity because they knew how great it could be and how great it was and 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 how many of those conversations you know we had with and by the way the Big Ten fans are nice they're all nice people um, great people uh, but uh, but you know they were they they I remember the first time Purdue came down here. Um, it may have been the second or third year. It was a big game. They were ranked. We were ranked. And uh, and we were um, – I forget where we were. We were probably at Bentley's, and there were a bunch of, of Purdue people in there after the game. And they loved it. And I didn't even really – I've never been to Mackey. Um, but, you know, Naki says Mackey's incredible. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. I am with you. I feel – much better about being in the Big Ten in basketball now. I do because the ACC is not the same. So I'm just yearning for something that doesn't exist anymore. I understand that. Um, so let's get to you know getting back uh, and being relevant in the league after a year of not being relevant. Who do you want? Who do you think we'll get? Well, I, I think the Patino rumors from last week that were uh, pretty hot cooled uh, significantly. I Kevin, I've heard from my people, uh, you know, uh, the people I speak with in College Park, they're looking obviously for an established coach, someone that's going to be in the tournament, they're going to be paying a buyout. Ah, the names I'm hearing just don't excite anybody. Does Andy Enfield excite you? Does Ed Cooley excite you? Kevin Willard? Uh, even though I think Kevin Willard might be a phenomenal coach um, out of that bunch, I, I, it's, I, it's, t- it's, 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 this is, <laughs> I've tried to explain this to everybody, it, 
it's this is a this is a ten year decision we're about to make. It's it's you can't get it wrong. Um, and I'm so worried about it because do I trust the people who are making the decisions? And that's the other question, Kevin. Who is making the decision? The, the, the thing I've gleaned the most out of the last few months, usually in these situations, one of two things happens. You, usually you have boosters step up, and they're going to write the check, and they're going to get who they want. Or in this case, I sense it a little different. I sense the AD, Evans, Damon Evans, he seems to hold the power. He's using those future Big Ten revenues, which they're about to get, as his leverage. He's basically using the credit card model of he's going to finance this new coach, and including that uh, three to three and a half million buyout from Turgeon that they're paying over the next five years, using the future revenues. I think he's making all the decisions, and to get in one man's head, I can't do it. So it, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I, um, I think that this Patino thing was perhaps more about um, – the university not wanting to go down that path. And however you want to describe that path, I would have been fine with it. I think uh, the most important oh, yeah. the most important path for them should be how do we get people Wait. enthused in this program again? How do we sell tickets and how do we get back into the top ten and, and be legitimate, you know, final four contenders? And Patino would have answered yes to all of those um, you know, uh wishes. Um, I am an Ed Cooley fan, so I, I just don't know if Cooley's going to leave Providence. This is where, you know, our fan base is a little bit, um, a little bit del- delusional, and I'm not saying in a negative way. It's more of, a, of an ignorance thing, you know. Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl, who you know signed that big deal, and you know Musselman, you know the, these guys have big time buyouts. They have better situations. You know, Arkansas is a hell of a basketball school. You know, they've got the Walmart money down there. They have a phenomenal facility. Maryland's one of two Power Five teams in America. Cal's the other one that doesn't have an actual dedicated practice facility. Turgeon was number 28 on the compensation one, list. I'm sorry? We are building a, a practice facility. Well, we'll that, see, that, that is well, in the works. Well, it's been in the works, though. It's been in the works of trying to get it funded. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, a lot of these big-time schools, we like to fancy ourselves as top 10 to top 15 job, and, and they're 90% of, of the job would, would certainly fall under that label. The, the problem is the other 10%. Compensation, AD, practice facilities, there's just some things there that I'm not sure everybody understands are things where an Ed Cooley might say, yeah, you know, they take care of me up here. This is a great situation. And I'm from here, too. And I, I just... You, they may end up, I, I hate to say, settle for Nandy Enfield because Enfield's done a really good job at USC. I think Cooley and Willard are both better coaches than Enfield in terms of basketball coaches, and you need to find a really good basketball coach for this league because the the league has great coaches in it, great coaches. I mean, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you see it night in and night out, like people that aren't even paying attention to how good Steve Peichel is. You know, at, at at Rutgers, I don't think Greg Gard's ever gotten the due that he deserves of being an elite coach. And then you've got the Givens, obviously, and Painter uh, and Izzo. You know, Underwood's done a phenomenal job. Um, there are very few coaches in the league that aren't really, really good. I mean, there were some new ones this year. The kid, the the, the guy from Minnesota, Johnson, and then Penn State's coach Shrewsbury. Um, Holtman's a hell of a coach. You know, Collins is a decent coach. They just don't get players to Northwestern. Um, but uh, you got to find a really good coach more than anything else. 
you, because you you got to win. Absolutely, winning is the only thing that matters. Kevin, the only thing that puts people on those seats besides Penn State and Taylor Swift night is winning. That's the only <laughs> thing. Unless you're handing out Len Bias jerseys every night, winning is. The, I'm there every night. It's the only thing that drives people into that bill. It's the only thing that matters. And we've always there's always been these whispers the last few years. Is Under Armour holding us back? Bruce Pearl is, is, is an Under Armour school at Auburn. He seems to win, attract the top talent down there. Yeah, at all, so at, at Auburn. That. At Auburn. You know, at I, Auburn. I think they push, I think they push, you know, they, they're on the edge. There are no limits anymore, Kevin. That's a new, we're living in a new well, world. I understand and that. Everyone in, and everyone in but college that's, park, that, when I bring that it That started up, this they year. Sw- they swear to me. Everyone in college park swears to me that our NIL program is as – competitive as any of the top ones in the program. Do I believe that? No. But I haven't seen all the numbers yet. But they swear that our kids are getting paid just as much money that other kids are. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be the bottom line, kid. Are we going to pay? Eric Ayala, he's got a fifth year of eligibility left. Where do you think he's going next year? Why don't we pay him to stay? I don't understand. This is a new world. And we would be in the tournament next week if we had Dow Morsell. We've spoken about this off the air. And that was the biggest mistake on this season, Kevin. And where are these reporters? And I've asked them. I don't know what goes. There's a little media area. It's right behind the bench. It, it's um. If you're, I don't know. Everyone knows where it is. These people are. You could give them crumbs and they wouldn't find the cookies. I, 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 I swear, Kevin. I have no. I've got as little respect as I have for some of the people who run our athletic department. I have even less respect for the people who cover our athletic department because there's, there's there's nobody out there. Literally, does Eric does Eric Ayala? He's got the COVID year left. Yes, he does. Of course he does. He's a fourth-year senior right now. He was flirting with the NBA last year. Let's be honest. Is Eric Ayala going to get paid to go to the NBA next year? No. His, the most money he can get is either going to Europe, going overseas somewhere. Why don't we pay him to stay and win in College Park? Why don't we become the, the, the innovators in this game? It, it just it baffles me. And, and, and I said, getting back to more Well, right now you don't, have a, you don't have a coach. Um, yeah. Well, again, whoever that coach is, I hope he's the type of guy who's smart enough to keep a kid like Ayala in the program and not let the kid go. I, I really do. All right. Um, I'm going to switch subjects real quickly. Who should, who's Washington going to get as their quarterback for 2022? That's a $64,000 question in D.C. right now. Uh, what did you – before you answer, you texted me last week you were in Florida and you, you, you were texting me – uh, how much baseball talk, a labor dispute talk, am I doing on my show? Why did you do that? So, one of my good buddies, uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who will be hosting a show uh, coming up shortly on Sirius XM, he is a huge baseball guy. Of course. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him on first. He's been on first take the last few weeks, Kevin. And, With Stephen and you A. You have to watch him. Him and Stephen A. together. W- watch them every Wednesday uh, on first take. It's the best sports debate television show you, you'll get. It, they, these two will go at it, and it just, they've done it two of the last three Wednesdays. It's every Wednesday. It's great. But anyway, Dog is obviously a big baseball guy. He hosts a show on the MLB Network. And he, he last week, was infuriated that the top topic in Washington, D.C. sports talk radio wasn't the MLB contract talk. And I told Dog, listen. All they care about is the Washington quarterback situation. That's all they care about. Um, and so he didn't believe me, so I sent you a text to confirm. And uh, do you want to tell the fans what his response was? What was his response? Hold on. Did, he, was, did you send me his response? 
Oh, well, I absolutely sent you his response. I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll read it verbatim for you right here. Oh. His response was, and nobody outside of D.C. gives a crap about who the Washington <laughs> yeah, quarterback exactly. is. Exact quote. Sorry, dog. I didn't yeah. mean to do that. But, so, but that was his exact quote. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, you know, I get it. It's like, look, when I was listening to him and 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 Mike um, on on WFAN. It was captivating because they were so good, but they would be talking about one Met at bat from the night before for three hours in July. Like, one at bat. It would be for three hours. Now, they were so good at it that it was really great radio, but do you think the rest of America cared about the Met game from the night before and the one at bat? Come on. It's no, no, it's so funny you say that, Kevin. As a kid, I thought the exact same thing you did. Too much baseball talk, too much baseball talk, too much baseball talk. But he, 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 uh, and it drove me crazy as a kid. You want them to hear other things. And, and they, they treat baseball up in New York and Boston. It's like a religion. Um, and it's been interesting. I got to say this. The, one of the greatest things over the last 20 years of living here has seen the, the growth of the Nationals. The, D.C. loves baseball. That is, it, everybody talks about the NBA being the number two sport in our country. It's hogwash. Uh, it's, the, the MLB is by far and away the number two sport, especially here in D.C. And it's sad what's going to happen over the next few years at the Nationals aren't going to spend money because they're the learners yeah. are cheap and they've gotten their one championship and squeeze. But but what has been built, Kevin? That's been wonderful to witness, and I do think it's come at the expense of football team. <laughs> yeah, I know, but for 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 three hours, you know, it was it, it was a John Olerud at bat from the night before in their game against the Phillies. Oh. Like he fouled off eight pitches in a row and hung in there, and finally batted one to left field for a single for three hours. That's what you would get. They were great at it. They were the best. But the rest of America didn't give a shit. Trust me. And the best also, you throw in the callers like Doris from Rego Park, Jerome from the Bronx. They would debate a hypothetical of, you know, should, should the manager have gone to the lefty instead of the righty? Well, you know, and they would play out for an hour, two hours, what would have And it's what we do with football. It it's what we do with the, with the football team in this town, even though fewer and fewer people actually care. But they, you know, you can talk about a game. You know this. You and I have had this conversation. We can talk about Sunday's game on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Down to, I mean, we can debate the... The fourth and one decision for you know calls lined up the minute I get in until the the minute I go off could take calls oh, yeah. all day on the fourth and one on Monday and Tuesday and then when you get to Thursday and Friday then everybody's got it figured out on what the best game plan should be see the big thing in what you said baseball is popular it's become popular and they've done a great job with the team. But there's but there's a bit there's a big difference in this town. People think they know football. Um, people think they know the best game plan against you know what they're going to face. Uh, you know the eagle the, the Eagles three four defense on Sunday. They they've got the best ideas on how to do that. And then afterwards they they know exactly what the coach should have done to avoid a loss. There is some of that in baseball in this town, no doubt. But it's not as ingrained as it is with football because baseball wasn't here for 34 years. 
No, that's that thousand percent. Everybody is the armchair quarterback, coach, and general manager all in one for three hours every Sunday. It's incredible. Where do you th- when Wilson with the news that leaked over the weekend last week that Wilson's clearly not leaving or doesn't seem to be leaving and not interested or he might have been interested but it doesn't seem like he's a coming. Who's the next one on your list right now? Who's on? Who's the when, when guys when your call guys are calling in today? Who's the top of the wish list right now? Um, I think that they. Uh, I think that Wilson's plan A, but I don't think it'll happen. But I do think that they will go after Watson. I do. I think that they will go after right, Watson. Let's, and, let's walk. Can we walk through that real quickly? Here? Sure. So let's think about the hypothetical. You're going to tell me that the Commanders, whatever they're called now, with all the problems that they have swirling over the franchise, yes. are going to go after Deshaun Watson while he's got 21 women accusing him of things that are even more worse and more heinous than anything the Washington Post has ever reported in regards to Snyder. Yeah. How is that going to fly? Because they wake up to bad PR every day. It can't get any worse. What's the point? I mean, well, y- the, only, the, the, only, the, the only answer, the only answer is to win. They, they, they are, uh, every single day they wake up to people hating them, uh, people criticizing them, well. uh, yeah. and usually it's totally justifiable. And the, um, not usually, almost always, uh, it's justifiable. The bottom line is their only way out is to win. And I totally agree with that. So they're, I think totally. they're going to go for it, and I think they're going to take the hits that come with it. And then, you know, when the season starts, if Deshaun Watson's their starting quarterback and they're 6-2, and two, they're going to basically tell everybody to go suck it because that, I, that's, that's the only thing that matters. They, they have a business that's hemorrhaging. Now, it'll never – when I say hemorrhaging, I'm talking about those other revenue sources after the TV totally split. Agree. Okay, they, they are in as bad a situation as any team. In the, they've become Jacksonville. You know, from an attendance standpoint, so they can't. They've got to fix 31st that. Thirty-first last year in the league. Yeah, they got thirty-first last they, year. They got to fix that. If not, they'll be you know they'll be selling off home games to play them at neutral sites. So um, yeah, they they've got they've got to uh, they got to win. And I don't I don't think you know you can't you can't really fall off the curb, and that's where they are right now. They're as low as low gets, and. Um, it's by the way, that's not you know meant to be disrespectful to all of those alleged victims, and there are you know t- there are fifty plus of them now, and maybe more coming. It was a t- terrible culture with terrible people, um, but uh, they've got you know Ron Rivera's got to win, Jason Wright's got to sell tickets, and the only way you're doing that is to win. Well, the, the, the reason you know that's a smart plan, and I, I can't believe I'm saying the word smart plan with the Redskins in the same sentence, but I, I agree with you. Watson will win, and every single fan in Philadelphia wants to do that same move. And that's when, you're, when your competitors want to make that move, you've got to beat them to the punch sometimes. So I do agree from a football standpoint, it's, it's a smart move. I'm not going to disagree with that. What is their – they must have a timeline – as far as when they're expecting the legal issues to possibly be clarified, it's not going to happen before free agency starts in a week. So are they going to take the chance, Kevin, that they're going to bring him in on the hopes and prayers no. that his legal issues no, are going to No, no, no. You, you, can't, you can't deal for Watson until you know that he's going to actually be able to play for you. And until the, until the grand jury, which I think it, it, April 1st is the date, um, decides uh, to either... 
uh, indict him on criminal charges or not indict him, you can't trade for him. You have to wait for at least that grand jury to say there, there will be no criminal charges. And then you've got to have really good insight and intel on the civil cases and how they're going to get settled. Because it's been explained to me that you get into these civil cases and one deposition could lead to a judge reopening criminal charges. So it's a it's a very, very tricky situation here with him, with everybody that's interested. Um, but, you know, I, I'm basing that off of he's been cleared. The league's not going to suspend him for a year. They're going to suspend him for four to six games. And now, you know, will Washington be a big player? Will they offer up two ones and Chase Young or three ones and Tim Settle? Yeah, I think they will. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he'll come here. He's got a no trade clause. I don't know, you know, how many teams and how many teams they'll be competing with, how many teams will be interested, and how many teams legitimately they'll be in competition with. Um, but you know, they are in the NFC. Houston may be looking to trade him to a, a, an NFC team, although Miami was always the team last year. I, I wonder why Chris Greer, Greer the uh, Dolphins GM, totally called it off last week and said, "Nope, we're not interested anymore." I wonder what they know, but we'll see. That's, that's right. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. What, what do the Dolphins know that you don't know? What, what, that makes if they close the book completely, a guy who was willing to, but we, what we also don't know, maybe Greer wanted to stick with Tua and Flores was the one who was dropping the we want Watson rumors. That, that's something we don't know about Miami. Um, and maybe McDaniels just totally on board. And by the way, did you watch any of the McDaniels press conference last week? The breath of fresh air that was Mike McDaniel's at, at the uh, combine. I, I didn't watch it, but I, I just, uh, he's such an interesting guy that I, I should probably go back and watch it. Yeah. He's a fascinating guy, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, though. He's in a division right now where Josh Allen's going to run for the next few years. Bill Belichick's still there with the Patriots. And the other two guys are Salah and McDaniel. They both have four years left. Uh, McDaniel got a four-year contract. Salah had a five-year, got four years left. They're, they're really good friends. They come from the same coaching tree. Yep. The odds are both of them will not survive the next six years, five to six years. Which one are you betting gets fired first? My Robert Sala or Mike McDaniel, who hasn't coached a game yet? Chad already Kyle Shanahan with a coaching tree. Um, uh, Great coaching tree. I have no. I, I don't know because I don't know anything about your quarterback yet. And I and I and I'm, I don't really think we know enough about Tua yet. You you have to tell me which of those are either one of those two two quarterbacks going to end up being legit because that, that's the coach that stays. Tua doesn't have an arm. Uh, Tua's a guy that when everything around him is going right, very good defense. Um, he uh, he has a very good defense, and he's going up against a weak defense. He can win you seven games in a row like he did this year. He beat the crappy teams in the NFL. But if you go back and watch that game against the Jets, he threw two picks and they had two more floaters that should have been picked, including a pick six with five minutes to go with a seven-point lead. He doesn't have the arm strength, and I, there's no chance, and you know what, that I would put my life in the line with Tua. But, but we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo, another guy who wouldn't put my life in the line, and a guy like McDaniel and Shanahan squeeze water out of a rock in. So I do think he'll... It'll be just, again, five years. We'll see how they do it down there. I think he'll get rid of Tua uh, and find another quarterback down the line. But who's your, who, who's your next option? Wentz, Trubisky, who else are you 
Be, be I'm not excited. I, I want them to think high ceiling. I don't care about floor. And Garoppolo, well, not- Garoppolo doesn't have a high ceiling. Um, Wentz doesn't have a high ceiling. You know, some people are trying to argue that Trubisky does. Um, I think Malik Willis in this draft has a very high ceiling. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I think he's gonna he's gonna make it. I just think he's a very high ceiling. Though that's where I would be taking my big cuts. I would be taking my big cuts on high ceiling guys and not worrying about the floor. Because if you don't land on one of these guys, you're never going to have a sustained winner. You, you know, you, we, we know what can happen occasionally. You know, the Nick Foles, the Garoppolo's getting you there, the Jared Goffs. But you've got to have exceptional coaches and exceptional teams. And then you've got to get a couple of breaks here and there. Um, the bottom line is you don't win 39 games over three years in the regular season like Green Bay did unless you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers. So that's the goal. That should be the goal for everybody. You know, the one-and-done format, just like in the NCAA tournament, the best team doesn't always win the national championship. The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. You could debate that the Rams weren't the best overall team in the NFL this year. But, you know, the right to put yourself into a position year in and year out to, to, to have a chance in the postseason with a decent seed, playing some games at home, you got to have a great quarterback. You have to. Oh, totally agree. You can't win. You cannot win in that league consistently without a great. It, it's just proven. Go down the list of coaches and quarterbacks. If you don't have a quarterback, you're gonna you're not gonna last in that league. It, it, it's just a reality. Where would you trade up for Malik Willis, or would, are you content sitting there and taking the gamble? How high on Malik Willis are you? Well. I think that's. I, Willis, I, I, I think they've got to swing big, and so if Willis, and by the way, wouldn't surprise me at all. By the time we get to the end of April, if Willis and Pickett and Corral are all, all now scheduled to go higher, and people are trading up, I think they've got to be aggressive. Now, obviously, if they if they acquire a Watson or a Wilson, you won't have the first round pick. You're out of the rookie deal, uh, clearly. But. If you end up signing a free agent quarterback that doesn't cost you anything other than money like a Trubisky or a Mariota um, or a Bridgewater or a Dalton, then I think you have to draft the guy that you think has the highest ceiling. Now, I would not recommend that they... Um, they draft a guy that they don't like, that they don't think has a high ceiling. If they, if they, if they come to the conclusion that Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera and Eric Stowe, all the, all the people in their personnel group, um, if they come to the conclusion that this truly is an awful quarterback draft and nobody's got a high enough ceiling for us to take that high, then uh, they don't want to go down that road, well, that's their choice. But I think Willis does have a high enough ceiling where he would be intriguing to me if I'm, if I'm sitting there holding on to, to Teddy Bridgewater or Marcus Mariota or Mitch Trubisky, I am thinking about trading for Malik Will, uh, drafting Malik Willis at 11 or even trading up for him if I have to do it. Would you hand the keys to the car to Willis if you draft him? Do you think we're uh, – not you. I should ask that. I know you would probably hand – do you think Rivera is willing in his third year, you can say make or break year, and maybe say he has another, another year of rope, do you think he's willing to hand the keys to a, a rookie quarterback week one next year? Uh, I don't. Well, if, if, if it's Taylor Heineke and Malik Willis, then Malik Willis has a chance to start as a rookie. If they sign Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota and they draft Malik Willis with a high ceiling, I guarantee you the talk you will hear is that Malik, we love his upside. We love Trubisky. We don't think he's realized his upside. We got two guys now. 
You know, and he'll talk about some sort of competition, but Trubisky's going to start and they're going to sit Willis. Like if that, if that were to happen. Now, we've learned a lot enough. If you take the Mahomes example out of the equation, these rookie quarterbacks that get drafted in the top half of the draft, if they don't play in their first five games, it's because they sucked. It's because they weren't good yeah. enough. So um, I know that there's all this discussion about Willis playing at Liberty. He's not ready. He needs a year to sit behind a veteran. Okay. Um, but if Trubisky's 2-2 two and two and has thrown six picks and, and three touchdowns, uh, I hope Willis, you know, is ready to go. Um, would I start him? Yeah, if it's just him and Heineke. Um, but, uh, but you know, th- th- that's, again, you, when I say high ceiling, Hayden, high ceiling means also for me there may be a super low floor. I, would, I wouldn't fear the floor. But they could draft him and find out, ooh, we made a mistake. May, but they'll have to determine that. But I would, well, I, I would draft the guy with the biggest ceiling. What else you got for me? I, I, I totally agree. We're, we're, on the Redskins, last, oh, Commander, where, where do you expect to be going to games in, in, in five, in seven years, I guess, whenever the, <laughs> the, the, you know, where, where is your preferred site and where do you expect to be going? Well, I'm, I, you know this. I'm less passionate about all this than I used to be. But RFK, D.C. is the only location that would satisfy the masses. The RFK site is perfect for it. Um, if it ends up down in frickin' Dumfries, you know, and there was a story in the Post yesterday about how, you know, the Virginia lawmakers, you know, in, in sort of being okay with committing about a billion dollars in tax credits to the project, which would be about a third of what Snyder needs to build the stadium, they're now finding out that Snyder essentially wants to build something dubbed Snyder City. Not by him, yeah. but by one lawmaker. Where On the waterfront. Yeah, where it's retail in, in Virginia, retail and and hotels and casinos. And look, if you put the stadium in frickin' Dumfries, you know, um, you're going to need to make a weekend out of it. You know, you might as well have hotels nearby because people are going to have to stay the night. They're going to have to. It's going to be like a college football weekend. You get in on Friday, you check into the hotel, you go out, and you you party, and then Saturday is is not game day because it's Sunday. Uh, maybe you get in on Saturday night, but you're you're going to need something because it's going to be too long of a drive. It, it, it would it would be just like them to put this stadium in Woodbridge or Dumfries. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, it's it just it's unbelievable that somebody didn't step up and and stand up in the meeting when this got discussed and say, "Yeah, take those two off your list, please. They're non-starters. I don't care how much the state of Virginia is going to give us." I, you know, the Sterling thing, especially if you've got mass transit, is a little bit different. Woodbridge and Dumfries, I mean, come on, man. That's the place. Those are the places, no offense to the people that live there. It's they, they, It takes forever to get there, and then you're almost in Richmond when you get to Dumfries. You're certainly almost in Fredericksburg. I, I couldn't agree more. You're moving 90 minutes, two hours outside the city, and that's without rush hour traffic on a Thursday night for if you have a, a week Monday night game. It seems ridiculous on paper, but then you think the Niners moved to Santa Clara. You see what's going on around the league. 
and you realize it's a much higher probability than yeah, you were, but, I would like to see but, happen. But, but, but Santa Clara, when you go further south in Silicon Valley, you still have massive population density. And those are all Northern Californians who love the 49ers. Look, if I were, you know, if I were somebody that lived in San Francisco or, um, you know, s- s- somewhere just over the Bay Bridge, um, uh, I-, I would be upset that I've got to drive to Santa Clara to see the 49ers. Don't get me wrong. But Santa Clara and Dumfries is not apples to apples. Yeah, I, I can't wait. To, I think he's angle. I know he's angling to get the draft. By the way, he's going to find out in a few days, maybe a few weeks here, about the draft in twenty four twenty five. That announcement's coming. Um, they're trying to hold it. DC is one of three cities, you know, up for the to host the draft. That'll be fascinating. Uh, but Kevin, I, getting back to the topic that we started with before you let me go, eighty three. You probably watched the game. Carolina went to Cameron, and Jordan put up 32 and embarrassed Duke. How many other times have you seen? You know, has it happened? How many more times? You know, getting that. How many times in your lifetime have you you seen Duke lose at home in that type of a moment? No, oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we beat him on Shane Battier senior night. That was as sweet as sweet gets. I mean. I can remember just being as excited and th- see that's the thing you know because we keep coming back to Duke and and by the way winning at Cameron because nobody won at Cameron as much as Gary did I don't think I mean I you know, Dean probably did and 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 but I don't know that Roy did I think Gary might have more wins at Cameron indoor than than Roy has um, but there was just something so something so sweet. And satisfying about winning in that building. I mean, Gravis did it. Did Gravis do it twice? Gravis may have won at Cameron Indoor twice. Um, That's a great question. Uh, he did not win. His, he won at They split there. His Gravis' senior year, we won the conference. We co conference champions. Yeah. He, Gravis won at home that last game. We lost at Cameron. So I got to think. Yeah, but I, I think, think in 2009, I'm looking it up. I think we won because I think Akizi had a big game. Um, and we won 2009-2010, uh, hold on, at Duke. At Duke, we, lo- we got blown out, and then we beat them, obviously, to win the ACC regular season, co-regular season. Um, but the year before, 2008-2009, oh, we got blown out at Duke <laughs> that, that year. Okay, yeah. so now we go back to 2007-2008. I guarantee we, we won at Duke this year. That year we lost at home. Oh no, we lost that year too. My fault. Oh seven, did we win at Duke? Yeah, we won at Duke in oh seven. We 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 swept Duke in oh seven. Um, in oh six, that was the uh, that was the um, is that the Chris McRae suspended year? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, the Whatever. last moment, my last memory is, is, Char- is Charles Mitchell's ball popping out of that bucket. The last time we were there, yeah. that's my last memory of, of Cameron was Charles. The, one of the biggest upsets we could have had, and that ball just kind of popped out. But yeah, oh, it's you know, I, I'm going to miss him. I, you know, it's funny as he goes. It's a chapter in the sport. You turn the page. There's there's no one going to be ever. You can't replace a guy like that, Kevin. Um, it, it's you know. Um, Jay Wright maybe is the next type of guy, but it's it's such a the memories this guy has helped create. Even though we can't stand them, it's it's been fun. It's it's it, that's what sports is all about. Hold on, I just 
the 2011 team, Gary's last team, they beat him in the ACC. Didn't they beat him in the ACC tournament? Or Gary's no? last team. I can't remember. The Jordan time. Williams team. No, they lost to him in the ACC tournament, but did they beat him during the course of the year that year? Jordan Williams no. and Ravis, I would no, believe. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting some of these games uh, confused. Um, yeah, the 2011 team. By the way, I think if Jordan Williams had come back for at 2012, Gary would have come back the following Gary. year. Gary. Uh, Has Gary ever gotten the itch again by any chance? You, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think he would. I, I still think today if somebody, if something came up locally, like the AU job or something like that, and they said, hey, come on down and coach a team, I think he'd do it. He looks great. He's in great us? shape. Um, why not us? Well, yeah. That, 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 I know. That, that's a thought process I've had for months now. Why? why? Well, we're in a different. You know, I, I know he hates recruiting. We all know that. Yeah. Why? Why can't we surround him with top-flight recruiters, a boatload of cash, and say, Gary, just do your thing. He's the best coach. He, he, he's the best coach available. There's no. Did anyone have a better answer for Maryland? Hands up. Anyone have a better name? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, it, it blows my mind that we <laughs> don't think outside the box in College Park, and that box that we have, it's small and it closes every day. Yeah. All right. It this drives me crazy, Kevin. I love you. This was fun. Um, Hayden in Virginia. If you know the voice, Hayden's called into my show plenty of times in the past, but he is a regular on Chris Mad Dog Russo's XM Serious show. What do you do? You call? Do you call every day? No, 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 no. I try to call once or twice a week. I, at this point, I'm just. I'm I mean, you've got the hotline, right? Things. You got the hotline. Uh, I owe it, I do, but I don't use it to be honest with you. Um, but they put you they, every um, time you call you they put you right in there. Of course, I mean I I got I mean if I want yes uh, no that's uh, do I wait like I know I wait some days like I know I there are a lot of days Kevin I like to react I, I like to hear what the other callers want to say so I'll say to the dog hey leave me on hold for a while I'll, you know I'm, I got nothing going on today let, let me hold and I'll listen <laughs> most times it's it's his show Kevin. You're just like when you're host. You know how this goes. You are at the mercy of him, so there'll be time. I wait two hours, and it's off to him. Yeah, but he loves you. He loves <laughs> you as a caller. He loves you as a caller. Loves you. I think what makes Dog one of the greatest hosts in the country is that he recognizes someone who is able to debate with him, and he gives you the rope, and he allows me to have a little fun with him. Whereas you know, a new caller, he doesn't know where you're going to go, and. It, it, it just it's difficult, but that that's he is again. I've listened to him and Mike my whole life. Mike's great too. I don't want to make it seem like Mike, but what makes Dog so special is his ability that you know what, just like Stephen A, you can go back at him and pound at him a little bit, and he, he's going to come right back at you. Right. I always say, Kevin, it's you, it's like uh, getting in the ring with a bear. If you're going to poke that bear, you better be ready. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a there it's a wounded animal coming at you. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk soon. I love you, Kevin. All right. See everyone in College Park. I'll buy it. Anyone that ever sees me, 118, come down, row two, beer and food, always on me. It's hard to miss him. Hayden in Virginia. He is, uh, he's usually pretty enthusiastic. Uh, just ask everybody in this section. <laughs> there. Go talk. All right, man, I'll talk to you. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right, that's it for the show uh, today. Back tomorrow with Tommy, who will be back from Florida.